If you've ever walked down the bustling high street of a major city in the United Kingdom, your attention would have likely been drawn to an American candy store. Boasting a vibrant shopfront and enticing displays, they are certainly hard to miss, but what you may have taken notice of is the fact that they are almost always empty. No customers browsing their selection, no children searching for the candy they read about online. Just a store that stands untouched. If you have stumbled upon one of these stores, you may have wondered how they have managed to stay afloat. In an age where online shopping has taken over, many physical stores have been rendered obsolete. With the convenience of purchasing goods at the click of a button, traditional locations are being opted against. But against these odds, these American candy stores continue to run, with more and more opening every year. Another peculiar detail is the absence of advertisements. You can search high and low, and go to the deepest corners of the internet, but you will find nothing. They are absent from social media platforms, absent from television screens, screens, absent from the minds of the public. It was as if somehow they didn't need or want to use the old-fashioned marketing tactics that typically lured customers to a store. The stores stand proudly, each with a unique name and unique branding, but they all share one thing, the same assortment of candy. A curated collection of American sweets, often accompanied by British confectionery, fill the shelves of the stores. The price tags are always extortionate, high enough to turn away even the most passionate candy lover, but low enough to evade outright shutdown. Taking a closer look at the shelves will reveal products way past their expiration dates, and some products that appear to be fake. In one case, one of these stores was found to be stocking vapes containing dangerously high levels of nicotine, such high levels that they were vile of the law. These stores rest in the grey area between legal and not, and this has raised suspicions. Whispers began to circulate that these stores might be fronts for a more nefarious purpose, money laundering. The Westminster Council found themselves in pursuit of a staggering £7.9 million in unpaid taxes from American candy stores on one street alone, but the elusive owners stayed one step ahead. They had purchased the properties for anonymous companies with no discernible assets, and so they could evade the law and get away scot-free. It is now clear to the public that these are some sort of scheme, but why do they persist in running these stores even after they have been exposed so blatantly? The masterminds behind the American candy stores that plague the UK remain a mystery, but maybe someday the truth will come to light. Just remember about these nefarious schemes that go on behind the scenes next time you walk past one of these empty candy stores. In the city of Seattle, a mysterious phenomenon would capture the locals in the early 1990s. A vintage soda machine would suddenly appear outside of a store, as if it was transported straight from another dimension. It appeared overnight, and residents were eager to see what it had to offer. No one claimed responsibility for placing the machine, and its purpose remained a mystery. The only apparent fact was that it was drawing from the store's electricity, but the owners didn't seem to mind. Curiosity peaked as people noticed that the buttons on the machine were labelled mystery, further tempting residents to put in their coins and wait to receive a surprise soda. With the press of a button, the vending machine dispensed a random can of soda. A normal thing, yes, but the residents were perplexed when they noticed that the soda the machine was dispensing was limited edition variants of popular brands that were either unavailable in the United States or had never been seen before in the country. It begged the question, how did the owner acquire these limited edition cans, and how did the machine seemed to possess an infinite supply without the need for a restock. 
Word of the machine spread like wildfire, leading residents of the furthest corners of the town to pay a visit to the paranormal machine. It became a popular hotspot, and knowledge of the machine was growing day by day. Just as quickly as it had appeared though, it vanished. The vacant spot where the machine had once stood left locals confused, and a singular note was stuck to the wall, stating that the machine had gone for a walk. The social media account associated with the machine continued to post pictures, photoshopping the machine in various destinations around the world. The machine would seemingly never return though, leaving residents to theorise about where it had gone and if it would ever return. There was one theory that most believed though, that the machine had been vandalised. Given its vintage nature, it seemed plausible that irreparable damage was caused as a result, making it impossible to restore without the owner having to locate outdated parts. One burning question remained. Who was the owner of the machine? There exists a single photograph that seemingly showcases the owner of the machine restocking it. It appears that the mastermind behind the machine was the store owner, as it seems unlikely that the store owner would allow the machine to rely on their electricity supply if they were not involved in its placement. Despite the conclusion that people have come to, even more theories run rampant. From dedicated soda collectors to mysterious hauntings, the truth behind the soda machine has never been fully confirmed. So, I guess it's up to you to make your own conclusion. Who do you think was behind the strange soda machine? In 1979, two employees of the Transit Authority found themselves trapped in the vault in the TA headquarters that held all the funds received by the NYC Public Transport. I think we all know how popular public transport is in New York City, and on this day, there was more money in that vault than was held in most banks, and more money than the employees would know what to do with. They knew they had to escape the vault, and so they decided to blow a hole in the wall that connected the vault to the women's toilets. At this time, the TA had very few female employees and none that they thought would commit a robbery so blatant. So they decided that instead of properly repairing the hole that led directly to half a million dollars, they would just put up plywood to block off the entrance. Word spread about the incident and everyone in the headquarters would soon be aware of the plywood hole. Shortly after, maintenance would be scheduled to take place in the building and extra employees were scheduled to work during that period of time. A notice went out to let employees know that there would be no power over the weekend and everything seemed normal as maintenance began. On the morning after maintenance had been completed, managers went to the vault during their check of the building, only to discover that a staggering $600,000 appeared to have been stolen. There was much more money than 600 k in the vault though, so the managers found it strange that they had only stolen that specific amount. They had stolen a stack of bills the size of an AC unit, but that was it. It was theorised that to carry out this heist, they would have had to throw very obvious bags of money out of a second story window of the TA headquarters, a site that would be very obvious in the middle of the day in New York City, and an incident that would have certainly been reported. Staff were interrogated as the managers guessed that this was an inside job, however, nothing came up, and they quickly reached a dead end. The only lead that has come out of this to this day is that bags containing the TA logo were found in a hotel room, however, even that came to nothing. This has had very little publicity, possibly due to the fact that the TA feared that criminals may attempt to carry out a similar heist. It's insane to think that the TA trusted their employees enough that they believed a plywood wall would stop someone from stealing over half a million dollars. This is a mystery that isn't talked about enough, so let's change that. Do you think this was an inside job, or criminals taking advantage of an opportunity to leave their mark on New York City?
On the night of August 2nd, 1998, firefighters were called to the Tippecanoe County Courthouse for a fire that was quickly becoming out of control. The cause of the fire quickly became apparent as he moved deeper into the building, spotting a pickup truck that was a clear source. They used a winch to pull the truck towards the building's sprinkler systems and the blaze was extinguished after a long effort. An official investigation began afterwards and the FBI would be shocked by what they would discover. Inside the truck were five containers carrying diesel fuel and gasoline, along with an additional container holding 200 pounds of black powder combined with metal shavings. The makeshift explosive had in fact been ignited, but it has not stayed lit long enough to actually set off. This was a case of good luck, but it still had to be disposed of. Members of the local police carefully drove the explosive to a nearby quarry. They put it in place and lit it. It detonated, shaking the entire area and sending shrapnel more than 100 feet in the air. This was designed to level a building, but who made the terrifying creation? There were very few clues that came to light about who was behind the attempts. However, witnesses in the area did remember spotting a man in his 40s with a receding hairline who seemed to be up to no good. He had been spotted near the truck, and it was discovered that the truck itself had been reported stolen just four days prior. The containers had also been stolen near where the pickup truck had been. Despite many long days of investigations, nothing has ever come up, and no motive has ever been determined as to why someone would want to decimate the courthouse. The suspect sketched has never been identified, and it will likely stay that way. On September 19th, 1987, a man entered a bank in Washington and pulled a gun out on the people inside. He remained calm, but demanded that the bank hand over the money that they had. He pulled out a police scanner and told the bank workers that if they alerted the police, he would know and he would execute them. He told the workers to open the vault and then ordered everyone inside, stealing over $100,000 before making his getaway. He did all of this in less than five minutes and he was not captured on any security cameras, nor did did he leave behind any fingerprints. After two more robbery attempts, he went for another big heist in 1989. He robbed the vault and took the money from the workers. In doing so, he unknowingly set off a silent alarm and was captured on CCTV in the building. This linked him to even more robberies and allowed police to release a description and a physical photo of the man. At the time of this robbery in 1989, he appeared to be between 35 and 45 years of age. He was between 6 foot and 6 foot 2 and he weighed between 200 and 220 pounds. He was tan and he had a moustache. The most identifying feature though was what he wore. He wore cowboy boots and sunglasses during every robbery, earning him the name of the Cowboy Bandit. His last robbery appears to have occurred in 1992 when he held up the Spokane's Horizon Federal Credit Union for the second time. He has not been identified or arrested and it is unknown if he has ever carried out another robbery since. A big thank you to my incredible Patreon supporters, Neil, Morrigan, Alex Rod, K4 Silver, Entrepreneur, Collectiki, and Chelsea Weinzel. If you've been enjoying the content, it would mean the world to me if you subscribe to the channel and turn on bell notifications so you never miss an upload. For those who wish to support me further, I invite you to join us over on Patreon for as little as £2.50 a month. You can now become a channel member on YouTube if you would prefer to support me that way. By becoming a Patreon or a channel member, you can unlock a range of benefits designed for fans of the channel, including an exclusive version of this video with an additional mystery. Remember though, this is never necessary, and subscribing means just as much. This is simply for people who want a little extra. I appreciate every single one of you, so thank you for watching, and until next time.
Sleep tight.